0: It's the State of the Nonprofits. I'm your host, Autumn Vest, Executive Director of MSS. If you listen regularly, then you'll know in a recent episode we heard from Kay Kreitz, the retiring Executive Director of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Permian Basin. After 13 years as the leader, the organization was faced with filling some very big shoes. No matter the reason an Executive Director or CEO leaves a nonprofit, planning for the future of leadership is not something many of us do very well. But we are neither immortal nor irreplaceable, and change does happen whether we are ready for it or not. The best thing we can do for our missions is to plan ahead and be prepared for the future. In the studio today, we have two guests to chat with me about how Midland Children's Rehab Center, or MCRC, faced succession planning. Brooke Mueller retired in 2020 as Executive Director of MCRC after 19 years in the role. And Crystal Kidd, the current Executive Director of MCRC, join us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I'm excited to have this conversation. You guys are a rare example of succession planning done well. And so I'm excited to dig in. But before we do that, we begin episodes with a very brief description of ourselves for our visually impaired and recording library listeners so that they can create a mental image as they listen. I'll go first. I am five foot two with pixie brown hair, brown eyes and green glasses. Today I am wearing flowers again. It's the summer theme I'm in and very bright coral pants. Brooke? I
1: am five feet tall. I have brown hair. I am typically smiling so that everyone knows I like them. And um, I am wearing a pair of tan pants with a aqua blue sweater.
2: My name is Crystal Kid and I am 5 three, have brown eyes. Um, I also like to smile a lot and have dimples and I'm wearing a white shirt and navy pants.
0: So let's let's jump in. Brooke, I mentioned in the opening that you served as the executive director of MCRC for 19 years, but you were a physical therapist before and after your role in leadership until you fully retired this year. So how many years in totals were you with the agency? I
1: was uh, or have been with the agency for 25 years, and um, I would add a, a correction to your statement. I am still doing a little bit of physical therapy at the center, but. No more than about 12 hours a week.
0: Oh, that's good news. So a tenure that long is not something we often see in any single nonprofit. What's kept you engaged with MCRC for so long?
1: I would say the, um, the mission of the facility, the integrity of the way it has been operated and um, the way that the center has done its fundraising, and the fact that a hundred percent of the time, in a hundred percent of um, the situations that occur, the children are at the heart by the center, by staff, by um, administration, by uh, fundraisers, uh, the medical community, and certainly the families of the children that we serve.
0: So, Crystal, like Brooke, you've also served the organization for several years before you stepped into the executive director's position, first as a physical therapist, later as the director of physical therapy. How long have you been with the organization in total?
2: Been there about 22 years. I came one day to see Brooke and just fell in love with the center, and um, they luckily hired me part time. And I kind of feel like I grew up there. (laughs) I'd only been one year out of school and um, was very green and new and had just had a baby. And um, I feel like I grew up there.
0: So let's talk about when you were preparing for retirement. But even before that, I think that you guys went through some different exercises so that Your retirement didn't shock the organization when you were ready to step out of the executive director position. So can you talk a little bit about what your steps in the process were for preparing for retirement and succession? You
1: and I've talked about this before, but I want to um, praise the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Uh, The function of that organization in the community of Midland has been stellar. And for those of us who were coming into nonprofit at work, we, we wanted information and good facts about how to operate and what elements reflected a good philanthropic organ, organization. In one of those sessions, we talked about some of the issues of maintaining or sustaining your ability to serve the community. And um one of those things was succession planning. So it was on my long list of things to do. And um, about five years before we actually started implementing that program, um, we had created a succession plan. Um, it wasn't a 100% the way we ended up doing it but it was a wonderful outline and a, a perfect map to follow as we went through the succession planning.
0: So what did that succession plan look like in broad strokes that you put together with the board?
1: Basically, it, it, there was a, an emergency portion of it that if something happened to any of the leaders on the staff, how would the facility continue to operate? And then, of course, in the event of a long-term change, in a leadership position. So it included temporary board management.
0: So walk us through a little bit about the relationship between you and the board of directors as you went through this process. What roles did you each play?
1: To begin with, the board of directors and the president of the board leads that whole process. We also have a board of governors at um, Midland Children's Rehab Center. Those individuals have been longtime community members who have supported the center over the years. So Board of Governors was invited to be a part of this. I served as a part of the conversation. But again, the president of the board was at all times leading this as we were pursuing a new individual for my position.
0: So was there always a hope or a plan that you would find an internal candidate um, to step into this kind of growth? As we went through the process,
1: we all came to believe that there were great advantages if we could find someone who was already familiar with our operations or on our staff. Now, we didn't necessarily tie it down to someone who was on the staff, but someone who was intimately involved in the center, understood the operation, understood the staffing issues, understood the provision of services.
0: So how did you identify that Crystal was the one who needed the arm twisting.
1: Crystal and I have worked together for a lot of years before we started this. As she took on more responsibilities in the center, we also had had uh, the opportunity to be involved in administrative issues. So I, I was impressed with her vision for the center, her understanding of the administrative challenges, the financial challenges and the importance of having absolutely the best staff possible.
2: So, Crystal, what motivated you to want to move into that executive director's position? You know, it's funny because it was never an aspiration of mine. It wasn't really something I ever thought about until, as part of MCRC's leadership team, Brooke was sharing with us that we're following a succession plan and that she was getting to the point where she was ready to um, plan for retirement. And that before that happened, the goal would be that we would hire an assistant executive director to have the opportunity to shadow her and to work with her for at least a year. A lot about the same time, I wanted to talk to Brooke just more about the opportunity and really kind of get the idea of, is this something I could do? And then several staff members would approach me and say, have you ever considered? And so Brooke was very honest and I was very honest about my experience. And, you know, when you go to school for physical therapy, it's certainly very difficult and you learn a lot about diagnoses and, you know, Patient management and setting goals and um, and those things, but you don't learn a lot about the financial things, and so that's what I was really concerned about. You know, when when you boiled everything down, I just had. A huge love for MCRC, and I did from the first day. You know that I walked in the door when I met she and Nancy, and I really just could feel that something was different there, and knew that I wanted to make that a part um, of my life. And just saw value in visiting with Brooke and, and others on staff of how the love for that mission and the understanding of how we carry out that mission and the operations was a true strength. I'm a I'm a crockpot, like I'm really slow at being okay with the big change and just knowing that we had a year to work together. I was like, if I could ever do this, it would only be because I could work side by side with her for a whole year.
0: So what did that year of shadowing Brooke look like for you? And how did that prepare you for stepping into the role
2: on your own? Well, I loved it. It was wonderful to be right down the hall from her and to just have a different working relationship than what we had had from, you know, being physical therapists together and some of the other programs that I helped do. But it it also was the year that COVID happened. It's like, Mm -hmm. so we had from May of 19 to March of 20, where we really got to do all of the things that were part of the succession planning. She had different tasks and functions that we looked at on a monthly basis. And it included looking at financials, all of the things that she did on a monthly basis, we did together. But then whenever March hit, we had to just put a complete stop on what our months of March, April and May. And I get tickled every March, April, and May, because I think about, okay, we didn't have these months together. Um, But, and then it was just how do we fulfill our mission with all of these new restraints and um, the necessity to, you know, keep people safe? And we need to touch and see people to, to fulfill our mission. But now we can't because there's a danger in that. So I'm really fortunate that it happened when she was still in that role, because I think that would have been really difficult. And it gave us an opportunity to problem solve through something that had never happened before. And, you know, just having, I don't know, two people along with the support of the board and all of the other staff just made that very difficult time be a lot more manageable.
0: I mean, I'm sorry, going through COVID as the executive director, I was really very lucky with my team and board here at MSS, but I was driving the ship Mm -hmm. by myself. Mm -hmm. I would have just given anything to have had a Brooke at that time who had all of those years of experience. And, you know, I'm sure you didn't face anything like COVID either, but bringing your experience and absolutely. you guys together being able to tackle that. What a blessing. Yes,
1: absolutely. And, and you know, the good part of all that was you know we were in the crisis before we even knew what we were talking about yeah and so there were a lot of things in managing the building and managing staff and and dealing with the financial issues and the fundraising and so on and so forth that had to continue i mean it was not like all of those Things just came to a halt. You had to pay the bills. You had to continue communicating with your people and with your with your um, stakeholders, and and so then we just added the COVID management on top of that, which really there was no template.
0: And so we just made up our own. Well, I do think you're right and that we are very lucky in our funding community and in our just community at large that everybody, we all wrote the playbook at the same time, mm-hmm. holding hands, socially distanced together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Brooke, you went out with a bang. Crystal, you came in with a bang. What was the transition like for you going from a staff and team member to being the executive director?
2: You know, it wasn't what I expected. I felt like going into it, things were going to maybe instantaneously change. And I didn't see that. And I think the the beauty of us getting that year together under our belt where staff began to slowly see that Crystal's role is changing, it, it was an easy transition. Like it wasn't I never felt like they didn't consider me um, executive Director. Now, I don't think that it was difficult for them to to see me in that role. It just was a really natural, felt good transition. She is still seeing patients now, but right at the beginning of our transition, we still had devoted hours together where we carved out for each other. And I kept like a list on my planner of all the things I wanted to make sure I went through with Brooke, or wanted to double check with Brooke. Well, and I would I would
1: credit our board of directors. And I will credit Crystal because um, the board invited us to continue to work together. And we just did a, a shift in our positions so that Crystal stepped forward and I fell back. And again, I say our board of directors supported that 100 percent and allowed that to happen financially. And then second, Crystal being willing to just put herself out there.
0: That's, it's beautiful. And I have to, for the people that are listening, Brooke is using her hands to talk about the shift. Mm -hmm. And it's just making me think of this beautiful sort of dance that you two had and who took leadership and who, you know, how that progressed. I think that's a really interesting, um, just a movement that you were making at the Mm -hmm. same time. So how has this transition impacted MCRC?
2: I don't think anything has changed about MCRC, we both kind of have a leadership style where we listen to what the needs are, and we, we work with our teams to figure out how we can address those needs the best. Well, succession
0: planning isn't just for agencies with retiring leadership. Brooke, what advice would you give to nonprofits to help them prepare even if retirement is not on the horizon?
2: Well,
1: this is something I learned one more time from from probably an AFP lunch and learn. And that is a nonprofit must always be prepared to face the need for um, leadership change, people move, people become ill. You you can't just pretend like you're living under a little glass bubble. And and so I would encourage all nonprofits to have a plan. It, it doesn't have to be a complex plan, but at least to have a plan and identify others who will be leadership, whether those are board members, whether those are volunteers,
0: whatever that is. What would you say, Crystal, as a recommendation for somebody who's going through this, having been on a staff side and then moving into the ED role, would you give any
2: thoughts, tips or tricks? When you have a a love for what the mission is or, um, you know, what the operations is, um, just to be very respectful of what leadership look like and, you know, don't feel like you have to. To change, to change it all or completely go a different direction, you know, make it your own. And I think that when you have a love for what you're there for, that is just like a natural thing that happens. I love it. I hope that our
0: listeners are enjoying this and getting as much from this conversation as I am sitting here. I thank you both so much for joining me today. Any final thoughts? Mm -mm. Just keep doing good
1: work. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think this is is such a critical topic that um, I hope everyone will take to heart the need to have a plan.
0: Absolutely. Great advice. I know it's something that we here at MSS need to work on. And I know, you know, with so many retiring nonprofit leaders in the coming years and just like you said, change, change happens, whether we are prepared for it or not. So best to be prepared. Thank you again, Brooke and Crystal. It's been so nice to chat with you. I really appreciate you guys giving time and being here today. Thanks, Autumn. Thank you. So to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to receive notice when new episodes drop. MSS is proud to be a partner with Pioneer Natural Resources. With Pioneer's partnership, we are working to create impact in our nonprofit community with programs like State of the Nonprofits, IT services, and more. And as always, thank you to our partners at the Recording Library of West Texas for collaborating with MSS to produce State of the Nonprofits.